When you're navigating the complicated world of real estate, you want someone you can trust holding your hand along the way. Here's just the right person and just the right program. It's the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show, an advertising feature on AM800. Here's your host and broker owner of the Dan Jemis Real Estate Team, Dan Jemis. Good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. It is 7.07 a.m. on this beautiful day. Couldn't ask for a better one. What a hot and steamy uh, week it was. Incredibly hot and steamy. Not my favorite uh, weather at all to be having, but you know, could be snowing. And that's going to eventually happen. So let's enjoy the the hot and steamy weather while we can, right? Uh, so, and again, some good rain as well, which uh, which was well needed. The farmers are enjoying that. And, uh, you know, as long as everyone checks their sump pumps in their basements from someone who's had some water issues in their basement in the past... As we get some uh, some heavy rains, make sure you check uh, your backups. If you don't have a backup, make sure you lay awake at night if it's raining hard. That is when we officially ourselves got a, uh, a sump pump backup was when we had some water issues because we didn't have a backup and the basement flooded. So, uh, lots happening uh, this week. We have lots coming up on the show. Uh, some money announced recently uh, from Queen's Park uh, to you know help our issue with high-speed internet. In Ontario, and particularly in Windsor-Essex, we have a lot of spots, and uh, my home is one of them, that the internet is not the best, and it's extremely slow. So there's some money announced, uh, $180 million, uh, for some high-speed internet uh, improvements throughout uh, Essex County and uh, the rest of Ontario. I did an interview with uh, with this group over a year ago on the show, and we're actually going to replay that uh, to give you an idea as to what exactly it uh, it means and where that money will go. Um, it's uh, it's exciting stuff, and it's it's well needed. Uh, and we're also going to talk about uh, some, uh, some things that you're cleaning way too often in your home. Uh, and, uh, you know, cleaning too often, that's probably a good thing. You can clean less. So we'll tell you about uh, about some of those things, and uh, we're going to answer a few um, uh, home buyer and home seller questions as well, and some stuff that uh, has been sitting in my email, and we finally have a bit of time today to uh, to get to them. So um, a bit more on that as well. But before we do that, we're going to get to that interview uh, with the Swift Project, and uh, this is an uh, interview I did with uh, with Jerry Marshall, uh, the mayor uh, at the time of. Uh, Penetanguishene uh, and Warden for Simcoe County, and he was uh, uh, representing Swift, which is the project uh, that is handling this uh, this uh, this new system uh, of internet and the upgrades. Okay, so here's the interview I did back about uh, a year ago, September 23rd, 2015. If there's one topic that gets my blood boiling more than any other, it's access to reliable and fast internet. In today's day and age, I find it absolutely incredible that fast internet access is not available to everyone. Well, that's where the SWIFT project comes in. It's a program that's been initiated by the Western Ontario Wardens Caucus in partnership with the Southwest Economic Alliance to build an ultra-high-speed fiber optical uh, regional broadband network for everyone in Western Ontario. I just so happened to come across the SWIFT website a few weeks back when uh, my ridiculously slow internet was having a good day and let me load the page. And uh, I took a look around, and it got me all excited. So I figured, hey, let's get them on the show. So joining me today to tell us all about the initiative is Jerry Marshall. He's the warden of the county of Simcoe, and he's also the mayor of the town of uh, Pentanguishene. Thanks for joining us today, Mr. Marshall. 
I'm very well, thank you. How are you about yourself? Well, I'm very good. Now, it appears I'm not the only one that's sick and tired of ridiculously slow internet access, am I? Oh, God, I, I tell you, we hear it from one end of uh, southwestern Ontario to the other. It's a, it's a constant uh, a demand from, uh, you know, from residents, uh, from cottagers, from uh, uh, businesses, from industrial complexes. I don't think there's an area across uh, southwestern Ontario that hasn't... Uh, had this issue brought forward to one of the political bodies to the one of the local uh, service providers so it's it's a truly a large issue that needs to be resolved it sure is so let's start by uh, maybe telling us a bit about how the swift project came to be and, and why it's so important well i think how it came to be was the municipalities uh, recognized uh, right across the southwestern ontario and actually even eastern ontario uh, a couple of years back that uh, broadband was a significantly uh, uh, missing uh, link in terms of our ability to grow our towns, to uh, attract businesses, and to keep businesses in our towns. And so, you know, with that, from a political perspective, uh, you know, political leaders, mayors, councils, wardens, you know, started to look at this issue and said, listen, we need to collectively uh, put our brains together here and uh, and find a way to uh, correct this problem and start, to, uh, start making a change before it's too late. What are the current barriers to broadband access? Well, actually, I'd say a lot of it is simply, um, you know, it's it's the business case. You know, the uh, private sector, of course, are in, yeah. in business to, to make a profit and have a return on their investment. And so that was one of the barriers is to drive fiber out. Is, is It's a costly exercise. But municipalities are in the business of actually providing services to our um, citizens. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this SWIFT model really is, is marrying two opportunities together. Uh, how can the municipalities get involved? Uh, to help uh, drive fiber out while still making it a cost-effective business case for the private sector. So now let's go back to to the to the business, or I guess the the reason that that Swift came to be. So the the point of Swift is to get broadband access to get high-speed fiber to yeah. every home in every home in in southwestern Ontario. And what we're talking about there is that's 322 communities, 3.5 million people, and about 1.2 million properties. And so our plan really is to to get this all done in the uh, you know from now until about the year 2040 is is the long term plan when that last piece of fiber would go in. Uh, the reality being though is as we build this model out, the fiber will start to ex- extend out to uh, uh, you know the far reaches of each community, and where that fiber stops, uh, will towers will go up and broadcast uh, out further into the distance to make sure that those folks get connected. So while the last piece of fiber will go in in 2040. It is our anticipation that probably 85% of those homes that have poor internet services today will actually have, uh, you know, one gig service uh, or thereabouts uh, by the next seven to eight years. One gig service within the next seven to eight years. Yeah. Uh, wow. For those on the fibers, where we're, we're headed in like 2040, we're saying all those homes would have one gig service uh, right up to the last farmhouse and uh, at the very last mile of, uh, of the network. So we talk about um, the the big service providers. So um, you know the 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 cable companies, the satellite companies, the phone companies, and and large cost of them. How are we going to pay for this program? Well, actually, the, it's about a two. The first launch of it is about 240 million dollars. And really how we're dividing that up is we're looking for assistance from the federal government of $80 million, actually it's 81, and then another $81 million from the provincial government. And that leads to the final $81 million. And how we're splitting that up would be $16 million invested by the municipalities and the counties mm-hmm. and $65 million coming in from the private sector. Now, having said that, the private sector are not writing checks for that $65 million. They're going to give us access to their fiber networks. Okay. 
and in order for us to, um, uh, in order for um, uh, for them, uh, for the private sector to get uh, funding from us, they'll have to provide open access to the fiber network. So, in other words, any any uh, uh, any other private sector business can have access to, let's say, Kojiko's network on their fiber. Wow. Uh, uh, you know, because uh, Kojiko's uh, like part and parcel with the with the plan. So, you know, providing that Kojiko comes in, but but you know, theoretically, that's where we're headed. Is if you participate, then that high speed highway is open to everybody and uh, no barriers, and that'll help uh, keep costs down and drive competition out and still drive that fiber out to those homes that need it. Do you see any pushback from the, you know, the cable companies, et cetera, from this program? Actually, we met with, actually, perfectly timed question. I met with Kojiko and, uh, and Rogers just this past week, and uh, very positive discussions with both groups. Very, both groups are very intrigued by the uh, uh, project and its possibilities, and both are committed to participating in, uh, in the process and bidding uh, when we actually put this all out to RFP uh, and uh, you know, hopefully you know, by you know, the fall of this year. That's, that's, that's outstanding. Now, I'm seeing online here um, various stages, and, and you've already moved across uh, quite a few of them. Tell us about the stages. Well, actually, you know, the first stage is to actually get a, a request. To, you know, we're going to go through a qualification process. Well, let me back up one. First, step, the next step is we're improving our business case to both the federal and provincial governments at the moment, mm-hmm. and it's the Ministry of Infrastructure. And so we've got uh, our business case into uh, the, uh, the provincial ministry about a week or two back, and we're sending them an updated version this week. And we sent the one to the federal government uh, just this past week as well. Uh, so our business case is now presented, uh, or positioned in front of both uh, ministries. So we'll wait for their feedback to come back. Uh, once we get the funding from those folks, then we can open up the uh, uh, process to uh, qualify our participants across the province. And then, of course, go into a full uh, request for proposal uh, positioning. And so when are you anticipating um, that the work, the actual physical work, will, will start? Oh, we'd like to see it start as early as next year. So wow. we'd like 2016 to be, you know, have the, as I put it, have the car in gear and let's get going. So uh, the wardens are uh, are anxious to get going. I'd say the service providers would be anxious, and certainly our, our citizens would be very much uh, anxious for us to move forward as well. I imagine you've had every single warden and, and mayor in, in Western Ontario jumping at, at this yeah, yeah. For for the most part, yeah. it's been a success story. Um, if you look at southwestern Ontario, when we say that, it really goes from uh, from your neck of the woods right up to Aurelia. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's uh, 14 counties, and there's eight separated cities, such as Snowberry, London, uh, and and the like. So we've got that uh, that footprint going, and the project has also caught their friends uh, interest of our friends over in Niagara Falls as well, the Niagara area. And so they're looking to participate as well. So all of a sudden our project has uh, gone beyond just the southwest. We're starting to, uh, to migrate into uh, Niagara region as well. Is there anything that the listeners can do uh, to, to help this you know, uh, project get rolling? Well, absolutely. I think, you know, it, you know, there's a federal election coming up, and I think there's mm-hmm. some folks out there that uh, are running for election that uh, should be aware of the SWIFT project, should be aware of the benefits to their citizens, and, and make sure that they uh, make some commitments to help the cause and to, and to join in in the effort to, uh, you know, uh, get that broadband up to where it needs to be. Uh, give us information on where we can find, uh, find out all about the SWIFT network. Okay, so I think it's www.swiftnetwork.ca. And you can go onto that website and and uh, and check it out there. And I would suggest that any mayor or deputy mayor or warden uh, throughout the southwest uh, would be a good source of contact because they're all in the know and all uh, all in play on this conversation. Well, listen, Jerry, thank you so much for the information. Uh, I know there's there's quite a few of us here in Windsor Essex uh, that'll be watching this very closely. Thanks for all the information. Well, thanks for your interest and uh, thanks for the support. 
There you go, that's Jerry Marshall. Uh, and again, that was an interview I did back in September of last year. Uh, and his timelines were, were pretty close. Well, they, they were right on, actually, when he said uh, stuff would start happening in 2016. And again, uh, this week, the governments of Ontario and Canada have announced $180 million uh, is going to be invested uh, to help uh, bring ultra-high-speed internet to homes and businesses in southwestern Ontario. And to break that down, it looks like uh, the province and uh, the country will each uh, put in about $90 million towards the uh, total project cost of approximately $281 million to get everybody started. And uh, in Essex County, it uh, looks like we're looking at about $1.2 million over five years. Uh, and the private sector will bring in about $60 million through cash contributions uh, by contributing uh, the fiber optic cables to the project. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, County Warden Tom Bain was involved with that announcement this week, and uh, you know he's been uh, a big part of uh, of of the ongoings with uh, with this project. So lots to come, lots more to come on that. And uh, I know lots of us in Windsor Essex County are uh, <laughs> are really ready for some high speed internet. I know myself and my family. We're we're in a very um, uh, populated neighborhood, a newer neighborhood. Uh, in the county, and uh, we don't have high-speed internet. In fact, they dug up our yard a couple of years ago to put high-speed internet for the street behind us. <laughs> oh, boy, that's always fun. Okay, lots more to come on the show. When we come back, we're going to answer a few um, uh, buyer and seller questions that have been sent my way in the last few weeks. And then later on in the show, I'm going to tell you about nine things you're cleaning way too often. Okay, lots more to come right here on the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show. Welcome back to the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show, a paid program on AM800. Here's your host and broker owner of the largest real estate team in Windsor-Essex, Dan Jemis. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you this morning at 7.23 a.m. Now, uh, a couple of questions have come through uh, to my email in the last... Uh, a couple weeks and uh, now's a good time to answer them and we finally have a a bit of time we've had some busy shows uh, that have been pre-booked for a while so uh, and again if you do have questions that you want answered uh, feel free to uh, give us a call here uh, in studio you can always call 519-792-CKLW that's 519-792-2559 and uh, you can also email me dan at danjemis.com or go right to our website danjemis.com and you can contact uh, me or the team through the uh, website there uh, and again there's Facebook and there's Twitter and there's every other you know social media space that we're on uh, and you can also send questions that way as well okay so one of the questions was regarding uh, the assessed value and a uh, homeowner uh, asking why their assessed value is so different than what they believe their home is worth uh, and that's a question we often get on the team uh, as we're sitting down with uh, with with homeowners and uh, someone just looking to sell so the, the quick answer is basically the assessed value means nothing to us as a realtor uh, you know uh, we've sold homes that were super over assessed and we sold homes that were under assessed and the basic rule of thumb is if you're under assessed don't say anything just Keep on with your day because your property taxes are based on your assessment value. And so MPAC, who does the assessments, basically, uh, it's a computer system. And, and you, know, I, you know, I've built a home in the past. And after we moved into our home, uh, we get a phone call from MPAC. And uh, they basically ask some, some questions about the home. And uh, that's usually what they use 
to base your 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 assessment. So they'll ask your square footage. You know, is your basement finished? Do you have a deck? Is your driveway finished? How many bedrooms? How many baths? Um, and uh, it's very rare they actually come to the home. In fact, in our last home after we we completed the sale, uh, we saw an MPAC uh, employee walking around in the backyard. So I don't know what they were doing, looking through the windows to see what was going on, but uh, that was it. And our last home was underassessed. Um, and it does happen where you are overassessed. If that is the case, if you believe to be overassessed, uh, you know, and it's happened where we've gone for a free home market evaluation and we say, listen, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, your home, we believe is worth, you know, $250,000. Well, we're assessed at, you know, three hundred twenty. Okay, well, at that point, you want to contact MPAC and ask for a reassessment because you are then paying too much in property taxes. And again, if you're underassessed, don't say anything because you're paying too little in property taxes, but who's going to raise their hands and say, hey, charge me more? Nobody. <laughs> I wouldn't. So if that's the case, you say nothing and you, and you go on with, uh, with your life. But uh, if you are overassessed, you can ask to be reassessed uh, and an MPAC will come out and have a look at the home and, uh, and see what's happening. So that does happen quite often and uh, you know, you, you'd be surprised. But if you're overassessed, uh, you can go ahead and contact MPAC and you can go to their website. Their information is very easy to find uh, and, uh, you know, and go from there. Another question from uh, a, a home seller here, and I'm just looking at the time uh, to make sure we have enough time, is there are lots of websites uh, available where um, you can, uh, it appears that you can get your, your home's value from this website. Um, is that a sham? Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, and only reason being is nobody can have some magical computer system tell you the value of your home without even seeing the home. It doesn't know the upgrades you've made to your home. It doesn't know, you know, um, is there is there a train, you know, passing by the rear of your home? Is there lots of traffic? Is there a red light? Is there, uh, you know, stop signs in front, in front of your house? Uh, what are the neighbors like? Because if the neighbor's property is not in good shape, that's going to affect your value. Uh, and so, yes, uh, it is not, it is impossible to tell your home's value from an online website uh, on its own. So, uh, you know... There's there is value in in you know the free home market evaluations that the team can do and and we're happy to come out there. There is no obligation to our home market evaluations. Uh, one of our our team members will come out, uh, say hello, and walk through the property and actually sit down with you and show you the comparable sales uh, and the listings. And we mostly care about the sales because, uh, like I always say on the show, if somebody next door lists their property for a million bucks. It does not mean that your home is worth a million dollars. If it sells for a million dollars next door and it's comparable to yours, then we can talk. Um, but you'd be surprised how often we'll go to someone's home to do a market evaluation, and they'll say, "Oh, you know, Dan, Kathy, Sue, you know, Sean, whoever on the team is is there. Uh, we know for a fact that our neighbors sold across the street for three hundred twenty thousand dollars. They told us that. Well, actually, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, here's the the sale right here on paper, and it in fact sold for two hundred seventy. Well, why would they lie to me? It happens quite often. Why? I don't know. But uh, people are usually surprised. So uh, we'll leave that there. We have a couple more questions we can get through uh, later on in the show, but uh, it's time for news, okay? So we'll come right back after this on the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show. Is it time to buy that income property? Or maybe even that cottage? The Dan Jemis Real Estate Show is here to help make those decisions. Welcome back to the show, an advertising feature on AM800. Here's Dan Jemis, your host and broker owner of the Dan Jemis Real Estate Team. 
Nine things you're cleaning way too often. And is that really something that, you know, we should be worried about? Well, let's see. Because if anybody's cleaning too often, it's never a bad thing, right? But these are nine things you're cleaning way too often. Number one, your pillows. This kind of grosses me out a little bit. But let's see. Sure, your pillowcases need to be washed once every other week. But you just you just strip them and toss them in the wash with the rest of your laundry. But the pillows themselves, or your pillowcases, my apologies. Your pillowcases need, need to be washed. I was going to say, why would they say that? Your pillowcases need to be washed once every other week. Just strip them and toss them in the wash with the rest of your laundry. But the pillows themselves can go three to six months without, without being cleaned. When you're ready to wash them, throw them in the washing machine and tumble dry on low heat. Two to four times a year does the trick. Interesting. Next, your comforter. You can wash your comforter on the same schedule as your pillows. In fact, assuming you don't have loads and loads of rotating house guests, it's fine to wash it just a few times a year. We're not talking about your duvet cover, which we have, and I can't stand. And I always tell Nick, this, this duvet cover is a big pain to be putting back on and take it off. And, but the actual thick and fluffy blanket that sits within it. You should toss your duvet cover in the wash once or twice a month. And I wonder who does that. Your smartphone. Now, this is something I've always heard is pretty nasty, right? Because you've got your, your, your dirty hands all over your smartphone. You've got your, you know, your ears and your mouth and your, well, you shouldn't have your mouth all over it, but you're, you're throwing germs all over it, right? But next... Uh, of the uh, nine things you're cleaning way too often on the list is your smartphone. As tempting as it is to clean your iPhone every day, it's fairly unnecessary. Even with your frequent use, instead, make it a point to wash your hands before tapping away on your touchscreen. Then clean the phone once a week with an antibacterial wipe. Next, the oven. Auto-cleaning your oven takes it out of commission for a number of hours. Still, you probably do it about once a month. In fact, your oven really needs a deep clean, whether it's a full self-cleaning cycle or a manual going over with over with oven cleaner, only once uh, every three to four months. Even so, if any food, say melted cheese or rogue French fry, drips or drops, those are the best ones, the ones that are burnt. Now, I guess they're not really you know sitting at the bottom of the, of the oven, but uh, wait for the oven to cool and fish it out immediately to avoid that smoky smell and burnt uh, burnt on spills and splatters. Uh, and that's that's one of the uh, the things you always hear about those self-cleaning ovens, uh, and we have one too. Is that it takes forever and it gets super smelly. Uh, next, the pantry. As tempting as it is to reorganize the shelves every time you grocery shop, you need to purge this area of, of stored food only once every season. Dry and canned goods last uh, a lot longer than you think. Instead, concentrate your cleaning efforts on the refrigerator, where foods tend to spoil and fast. Want to talk about spoiling foods? Go to our office in that fridge. It's nasty. Everyone fights about, you know, it not being our responsibility to clean that fridge. And yeah, someone always ends up caving and doing it because it gets kind of gross. Uh, next up. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, some great talk for your Sunday morning while you're having your breakfast or your coffee. Next up, bath toys. You don't want mildew to build up inside your two-year-old's favorite squeaky water toy. But that doesn't mean you have to rinse it out after every bath. Instead, 
Squeeze out any liquid after a toy has been used. Then once a month, soak the toys in a bucket filled with a gallon of water and a half cup of vinegar. Good old vinegar. You can use it for anything. Now, having myself uh, a five, a three, and a three-month-old at home, I can tell you that you got to be careful because some of these squeaky toys get pretty nasty. You know, I know, yes, I guess you can wash them, but with with water and vinegar. But you got to be careful because you do, if, if you look inside these squeaky toys, they do get black and, and mildewy after, not long at all. So, um, and, you know, kids in the bathtub end up putting their stuff in their mouth and, you know, you got to be careful. Uh, next, your books. And we're looking, we're talking about the nine things you're cleaning way too often. I've never cleaned a book in my life. Really. Uh, every time you dust your living room shelves, maybe every other week, you probably run a paper towel over the spines of your books. Take the, pr- okay, uh, that makes sense. Take the pressure off yourself and resolve to give them a good wipe down every, uh, once every season instead. This will keep, uh, this will help protect the condition of your library while possibly gaining uh, you a little more time to read. Now, how many libraries are there out there? Mine's on my iPad, <laughs> right? <laughs> a lot of folks still do have, you know, libraries in the home, but uh, I guess the kids have a lot of their books. But Okay, next, furniture, slip covers. How many times have you walked past a slip cover on your living room chair and decided to throw it in the wash with the rest of your load? Well, stop it. Twice a year should be enough. Whether the cover is machine washable or dry, clean only. Uh, and, and if you were all listening to the show um, uh, last week, we had uh, our featured business of the week guest um, was um, all about uh, refinishing furniture, which, you know, is a pretty cool way to uh, to give your living room or any room in your house a, a new look and uh, have it uh, uh, done affordably as opposed to buying new furniture if it's, if it's looking old. Uh, next up, your towels. Now. Instead of washing them every, uh, after every use, stretch the lifespan of your towels by using the same one for a week. As long as you hang your towels up so they can properly air dry without getting mildewy, uh, you, should have, you shouldn't have any problems. And if one, in one fell swoop, you'll reduce the amount of time you spend doing laundry. Now, we at the house uh, do this. We, we use our towels for, for a couple, few days. Um, and after a while, they do get a, a stink to them. But what we do is we throw them in a cycle with um, with a little bit of vinegar in the water, and it gets rid of that mildewy smell your towels can collect after after you know uh, some long term use and some washing, um, and it works like a wonder. So give it a shot if you're uh, if you're at home and your towels you know and your and your hand towels or whatever have a bit of a of a stink after after a while. Okay, so there you go. There's some uh, some things you're cleaning way too often in your home and some things you're not cleaning too often <laughs> as a realtor and I, I walk through a lot of homes throughout the years and the whole team does your baseboards give those a wipe and your uh your um your blinds you know your fans up at the top of the ceiling those are always the kinds of things that you can uh, not clean enough uh and your carpets if you're going to be putting your, your house up for sale and you have carpet in the home which we now have uh, a flooring store um, that the team has purchased, Doobie's Home Center. And I'm telling you right now, carpet is coming back, oddly enough. And it, we people are moving away from carpet for the longest time, and it is now coming back with a vengeance. And uh, it's pretty insane. Everybody's moving towards you know the hardwoods, 
Uh, and now we're seeing a huge uh, uptick in carpet, especially in basements, uh, in, in bedrooms. We're seeing carpet uh, coming back again. And uh, laminate floor is now coming back. Uh, is pretty strong. And again, they make such nice stuff now <clears throat> that looks exactly like, like hardwood. And vinyl flooring. Uh, your 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 rolls, um, they're they look beautiful, and they look just like actual ceramic, uh, some ceramic tiles and and hardwood. It's pretty incredible. But uh, yeah, if you're gonna have your house up for sale, and the, and the kids or the pets or whatever has been on the carpet, have it cleaned for a hundred bucks, couple hundred bucks. It's worth it, and uh, it gives your your house a nice, fresh looking smell, which is never a bad thing, especially when you're gonna have people tramping through and. Uh, and some home buyers, and I know our market is hot right now, and everyone keeps telling us, well, I'm not going to bother doing that because the market's hot and the house is going to sell. Yes, you're absolutely right, but you want to get more money for your home. And so when we walk through the home with you and we do the, the free home market evaluation, uh, we're going to make some suggestions, and some of them are going to be to, you know, to, to do some cleaning. Uh, it might be to give it uh, a fresh coat of paint. Um, but again, our goal as your realtor, is to get you to make as much money as possible. So it's number one to sell the home as quickly as possible. The faster it sells, the more money you will get in your pocket. Uh, and again, we want to bring in not just one offer, but multiple offers because that drives up your price. And so if we can make any suggestions and they're, they're often free or extremely cheap, uh, we will do that. And there are times like we've talked about in the show in the past where somebody, you know, we do a, a market evaluation and someone says, you know, Dan, Kath, Sue, uh, you know, we want to um, renovate the kitchen. We want to completely switch out to the cupboards uh, and we'll tell them, don't do it. Do not spend that money. It is not worth it. Uh, you will not get the money back. Uh, and so, you know, some of the, the easier, quicker things to do, um, again, paint will we'll make the house look brand new. Uh, flooring, oftentimes, especially in, uh, in bedrooms or in the basement. Uh, and if the basement's unfinished, then again, just, just clean it up. Um, and sometimes it is partially finished, so the drywall's there, it's just missing flooring. Well, in that case, we recommend that you do the flooring because, again, for another you know, few $5,000, you'll, you'll net more out of that uh, during the sale. So the easiest thing to do is to give our team a call. We'll come out there and take a look at the property and uh, give you a really good idea, okay? And we might even save you some money uh, along the way, which is always a good thing. That's never a bad thing, okay? So again, for a free home market evaluation, you can call seven days a week, 519-566-5565, or you can visit us online, danjamis.com. Uh, you can email us from the website. You can find us on Facebook, uh, either personally, just uh, search me, Dan Jemis, or uh, the Dan Jemis Real Estate Team, Okay. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, a few more things, including uh, Joe Cocker's former home, former mansion, or, or it was he's, he's now passed away, but uh, the mansion that he lived in with his family going up for auction in September. We'll tell you all about that right after this on the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show. You're in the right place for the best real estate advice in Windsor, Essex. It's the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show, a paid program on AM800. Back to the show with your host and broker owner of the Dan Jemis Real Estate Team. 7.47 a.m. Before we get to Joe Cocker's Colorado Estate, uh, we're going to talk to uh, to Susan Rio. I'm sales rep with the Dan Jemis Team. Good morning, Sue. 
Oh, good morning. How are you? Well, fantastic. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm great. It's a beautiful uh, summer weekend, you know, so when the sun's been up for a little while, they, they tell me. And, and they, they tell me. <laughs> so Sue just woke up, I guess, say this morning. Well, yes, we had uh, some lovely company over last night. Perhaps you might know them, um, Monica Bundy and her husband, Lou. Well, who does not know Monica Bundy? The Oh, I know. Well, the neighborhood knows them now, too. <laughs> Monica's the fabulous uh, home stager uh, for the Dan Jemis real estate team. And in fact, Monica's going to be on for a full hour next week, Sue. Oh, good. So Okay, I'll go to her house uh, next Saturday night. I was going to say, so make sure you go to her place next Saturday night and, and keep her up extremely late. I and, think I will. Uh, you know, why don't you come by, Dan? Yeah, maybe, maybe I should. You know why, yeah. Sue? Because I've got a three-month-old at home and a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And so we were in bed early. <laughs> oh, that's true. You're right. You're right. You're right. But, oh, you know, geez. it's... Uh, that was a good we're, time. We're, no, we had a great time. Actually, Lewis is an awesome barbecuer. Um, and he knows um, we had uh, ribs and he brought out a smoker. I don't know. Have you ever used a smoker? I've, I've never personally used a smoker. I've, oh, my I've, gosh. I've been to a lot of places that I've used them, but uh, yeah. I've never personally used one. Oh, it's pretty extraordinary. I guess you. I guess you didn't get the memo, eh? I, I must have not gotten the invite. It was it on my desk? Maybe did you just leave it on my desk? Yeah, the I think it was there. But the cleaning lady probably will take it today. <laughs> Oddly enough, I was at my desk yesterday. I didn't see it. That's weird. But <laughs> I don't know what happened. That's Jeez, so every time. So listen, you have do you have some uh, listings you want to mention, Sue? Yeah, actually, um, I've got a great uh, uh, bungalow coming up on Albert, 1670 Albert. It's uh, two plus one bedrooms, and they've done a lot of nice updating to it. Um, it's in Central Windsor, of course, in one bath, and it's going to be listed at 1099. So uh, that should come up uh, this week. Um, okay. And uh, also, Dan, my uh, great listing on Crystal Bay, 301 yes. Crystal Bay. That beautiful two-story, um, three-bedroom, three-and-a-half bath, and it's only um, eight years old. And the water views are extraordinary. Wouldn't you enjoy it um, on a weekend like this, right? And you can sit out in their backyard um, in the three-season sunroom and watch all the beautiful birds. You can see the eagles nest from there, and, uh, you know, the mom uh, comes along and feeds the eagles. It's just unbelievable, and that's listed at 669. Jeez. And I also have, I know, and I also have a, a good starter home or a tenanted home for um, 94.9 on 846 Elm. And this one has four bedrooms, one and a half bath. It's a one and a half story. Um, it does have a detached garage in the rear, central air, forced air, gas. And uh, yeah, so that's a, a nifty location too. Unbelievable. Lots going on. We've got... Oh, yeah. uh, I think we have a good six or seven listings hitting the market to the next week. So, oh, yeah, um, and it's going to be another busy week. It's going to be another busy week, which is yeah. uh, which is good, which is it's much needed. And I'm very interested to see the um, the stats uh, coming out in the next couple of days for the month of July. How, how what's your take on on how it's been out there on the road uh, with the uh, multiple offers, etc.? Is it slowing down for you guys out there? You know what? slightly slowing down you know um, I take a look at the board every day you know a few times yeah. um, and we look at how many homes actually went overpriced and the ones that have been over asked um, not overpriced over asked um, but um, they've been maybe like uh, they're not as uh, like uh, shocking I yes. guess you know they're, they're the odd ones here and there but it seems to be a little bit you know kind of keeping back in pace is it because of the summer you know and kids are um, the kids are home, and so the activity has slowed down because in the first week of July, we definitely saw that, you know, the traffic wasn't there. Um, I don't know if there's a correlation, right? You know, everybody keeps asking us, you know, what's what's causing it? And the answer is we don't really know. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it the low interest rates? Well, the interest rates have been low forever. So it's mm-hmm. not really the interest rates. It's just, yeah. you know, and more houses are selling. We're selling I more know. of them. 
I know. Just... And, yeah, and we net, like, by the time, you know, if you might see 60 homes in Windsor and Essex, um, new to the board, 35 of them have been, like, you'll see 35 sold. So what do you net? How many are really literally yep. still on the market? Yep. Not enough. <laughs> exactly. Not enough. Not enough. That's exactly it. Not That's enough, exactly but... it. Listen, Sue, thank you as always. We will, oh, it's my uh, pleasure. No, I, I guess we, I'll see you on Tuesday, seeing as, you know, Monday's a holiday, but we oh. just never stop working. So, no, no, no. I, yeah, yeah, but it's a good thing. Love it. You know, and on the weekend, everybody's home, right? So keeps us extra busy, which is great. Fantastic. Yeah, my husband says everyone should marry a realtor. We're never yeah. home. <laughs> We're never home. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Uh, well, see, listen, uh, well, go back thanks. to bed. <laughs> I was not. I was having my coffee. So I know there. you were. I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, Sue, thank you. Okay. Thanks Bye. a lot. Have a good day. Deal. You too. Bye. Bye. That's Bye. Susan Riem, the uh, sales rep, uh, one of the sales reps with the Dan Jemis uh, real estate team. Love her to death. And uh, it's been uh, it's been great having her. We, we stole Stu, Sue. She was a mortgage uh, um, a person, a uh, mortgage representative before she came out of the team a couple years back. And uh, everyone's been loving her. It's been great having her with us. So... Uh, let's get to uh, our friend Joe Cocker. So Mad Dog Ranch, the beloved Rocky Mountain estate of late and legendary singer and musician Joe Cocker, just outside of Crawford, Colorado, will be sold to the highest bidder on September 1st, 2016, according to an informative representative of Supreme Auctions, who will handle the sale in cooperation with listing agent Mandy Nadler of Coldwell Banker. Uh, the no-reserve auction, which means there is no minimum bid, comes more than a year after the picturesque 243-acre spread was officially put up for sale by the iconic rocker's wife of nearly 30 years, Pam, with an asking price of $7 million. The Cockers custom-built the 15,873-square-foot mansion in the early 1990s, and though the couple originally planned to spend only a few weeks a year uh, at the property, they decided to make it their full-time home in 94. Could you imagine, Chris... 15, almost 16,000 square feet. You're just there a couple times a year. Just, you know, a few weeks here and there. La, la, la. Uh, the baronial stone-faced manor house described in marketing materials as English Tudor in style uh, features a 33-foot-tall uh, Tourette and grand foyer with sweeping staircase and inlaid marble floor medallion. Both the huge and eclectically furnished formal living and dining rooms feature Gothic-style cathedral windows, uh, the former strikes uh, a colorful pose with a vivid pair of fuchsia Chesterfields in front of a white marble-faced fireplace. And the uh, latter screams, how do you do with two Toyota-sized crystal chandeliers? Oh, that's pretty small, I guess. Hmm. Toyota-sized crystal chandeliers. A leopard print rug courageously coupled with floral wallpaper and a fireplace with glossy glam, black marble surround and hearth. The cherrywood paneled library has uh, built-in bookcases. The huge billiard room sports a full bar and glass-fronted knick-knack display cabinets. And the colossal chef-friendly kitchen has one of the largest and most elaborately detailed wrought iron pot racks this veteran uh, property gossip has ever laid eyes on. Private family quarters in the upper floor include a cozy lounge and a master suite with sprawls uh, definitely over 1,500 square feet with 13-foot uh, vaulted ceilings. Stone fireplace, morning bar, dual... What, what's a morning bar? Just literally a bar for the morning, I guess. Dual bathrooms and dressing rooms, and a private balcony with postcard-perfect views of Needle Rock and West Elk Mountain. Well, 
The house opens its lengthy backside to a deep stone terrace that runs the full width of the house and overlooks formal gardens that give way to great sweeps of plush forest ring, uh, ring lawns. The property also includes an acre-sized swimming pond. An acre-sized swimming pond. Extensive equestrian facilities that include a seven-stall horse barn, a couple of greenhouses, several additional outbuildings, and 80 acres of irrigated pastures. Laced with hiking, horse, and ATV trails, Mad Dog Ranch backs up to 400,000 acres of unspoiled land and sits just outside the scenic but barely there town of Crawford. About 2.5 hours by car north of Telluride and 2.5 hours by car south of Aspen. Okay, so there's uh, <laughs> there's our future home. That's Joe Cocker's Colorado Estate set for uh, September auction. Okay, so if you're interested, have a look. Okay, there you go. Uh, I'm going to wrap up the show right after this on the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show right here on AM800. Welcome back to the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show, an advertising feature on AM800. For more details on today's guests and show topics, or to listen to past shows, visit the Dan Jemis Real Estate Team website at danjemis.com. There you have it, another Sunday show down. Thank you for tuning in today. And again, if you're thinking of buying or selling, the Dan Jemis team would love to help. You can give us a call seven days a week, 519-566-5565, and we'd be happy to come out and do a free home market evaluation. Absolutely no obligation uh, when we come out there. So it's uh, it's fun. We usually have a good time, and we sometimes surprise people with the value of their homes. So uh, give us a shout. You can also find us online at danjemis.com. You can email me, dan at danjemis.com. And uh, I will, in fact, be on the air uh, this Tuesday. Uh, on the Lynn Martin Show at 11 a.m. So I look forward to chatting with you uh, for that hour. Okay, Tuesday, 11 a.m., between 11 and 12, I'll be on the Lynn Martin Show again. Uh, and coming up next, Kara Rowe with Sunday Morning Live. Okay, everybody, have a great weekend, a uh, great long weekend, and we will uh, talk to you on Tuesday. You've been listening to the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show, an advertising feature on AM800. If you've thought about selling or buying a home in the future, the Dan Jemis Real Estate team would love to help. Visit the team's website at danjemis.com or call the office seven days a week, 519-566-5565.